What's up, everybody? It's about that time. Your favorite Monday through Wednesday show, 6 to 7 p.m. Browner and Lawhead here on the Mightier 1090 ESPN. As usual, what a football weekend we have all either enjoyed or survived. Or if you are rooting for someone who lost, you are miserable. One level of misery we will absolutely dive into. Who's going to be doing that? Me, John Browner, as always, joined by Jason Lawhead here. Jason has got a brand new redefined studio. He's looking like he's getting that Pixar money right now. So <laughs> what up, Jason? I'm slowly bringing it together. Yeah, man, I got another new ring light. Now I got two nice ring lights and another overhead. So I'm getting more brightness, a little bit more of a, a, a home studio feel. And yeah, slowly but surely. Um it's coming together. How you doing, brother? How was your weekend? My weekend was very, very interesting because it revolved around these games and how cold it was at night. So yeah. the, we, we're going to break this down because for those of you who know, by the time you get to us, you already know the news. We just kind of try to have fun with the facts. That's the slogan on this show. You know the news. We have fun with the facts. And the facts are, if someone shows you you cannot count on them. Don't be surprised when you can't count on them. Dak Prescott is not a person you can count on. Like Tony Romo, we are now in a Groundhog's Day, which Groundhog's Day is coming up on Tuesday, ironically, that I just rolled out of my mind. We're coming up on another Tony Romo extinction-level event. When Tony Romo was great, Tony Romo was great because the Cowboys had an amazing offensive line and a great running game. That's kind of how Jerry Jones builds his football teams. And now two times in a row, he's got quarterback drunk. And that's what I'm going to call this. He's got, he's got a quarterback drinking problem. Because <laughs> now he's overpaid Dak, just like he overpaid Tony Romo. And money equals responsibility in professional sports. And Tony Romo was never that dude. And now it's being forced down our throats. And now we all can now see that Dak Prescott ain't that dude. God bless him, $95 million in two years, if we could all be so lucky. But as far as football goes, he ain't the guy. He ain't the guy. What more do you need to see? If you're listening to this show, you partake in football, and you probably have for a while. But if we're your first show, Wow, thanks. Congratulations. You found the best one. If you are watching Dak Prescott operate and you're going, well, he just needs another receiver or they need to get this member of the offensive line healthy or they need to get another you know, coordinator or they need to get another head coach. I'm done with you. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the person who could watch the game and go, this guy played five less games and led the league in interceptions. What more do you need to know? Jason, when you were watching this game yesterday, were you shocked that Dak gave you what he gave you? Or were you kind of like, okay, yeah, I kind of saw this coming? Um, a little bit of both in the sense that I thought he had opportunities to – I thought he had opportunities to be a hero yesterday. I really do. I thought there was a lot of openings – 
for Dak to really be able to be the guy to to advance this team. Okay, and he's lucky he didn't throw five or six picks. Picks actually. Ooh. I mean, at the end of the day, there was a couple. There was two or three, four balls that were batted in areas that were almost caught. There was one that was right in a San Francisco uh, defender's hands that he just dropped up the sideline that would have been a pick six late in the game. I mean, there was a few times he could have thrown several picks, and then there was all these openings throughout the game that I thought he just missed opportunities to really kind of put the the 49ers defense on their heels. Um, And, you know, you can – you make all excuses about Pollard going down all you want. You know, C.D. Lamb, uh, C.D. Lamb was uh, there. You know, C.D. Lamb was there all game long. And um, people talking about the coach, the, the coordinator, in my opinion, that young coordinator has, has probably made Dak look better than Dak mm-hmm. looks in the long run, as you mentioned. Um, so a little bit it was – surprised because I thought he had windows. I thought he had opportunities. I thought if there was ever a game to really get down and criticize this guy on, it was this one. Cause I thought he had the ability. I mean, you know, I've, I've said it before, like Brock Purdy has played great. He did, he played good enough to win the football game. And that's what, uh, you know, I thought San Francisco's kind of MO, all those games Brock Purdy uh, has won. I even mentioned to you, San Francisco was playing so good. They would have won those games had he not played that well. And they proved yesterday that they can still win those games against good football teams. And you know, Brock Purdy didn't play bad, but he didn't play the way Brock Purdy had been playing with the house money and the swagger Correct. that he had kind of been playing with. But the kid gutted it out. I'll tell you what, Brock Purdy looked like the guy managing a football team to a win that's on a $95 million contract. And Dak Prescott looked like the guy that was thrown in there as the Mr. Irrelevant pick and, and had his job just kind of fall into this game and he couldn't finish it. So uh, another big glaring kind of, uh, you know, wow, uh, eye-popping. Um, just but Dak is, isn't the guy. I mean, he's just – you know, and this has to be the last opportunity to believe that he is. See, and, and this is where I think Cowboy fans are going to get in trouble. This is where I think Jerry Jones is probably going to find himself in a in a mirror soon. You can't let this, you cannot let Dak Prescott think what I, me personally, I don't like Jerry Jones the person. I don't like the politics around Jerry Jones. But when that organization is picking football players and they're building a team, Jerry Jones knows what he's doing, and that's what's most important. Jerry Jones knows how to find superstar players in the draft. Diggs, uh, 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 Elliott, um, uh, uh, Micah Parsons. He knows how to find these guys and get them in Cowboy uniforms. These guys performed. That was the best game defensively that the Cowboys have played all year due to the level of competition that they were up against. Mm-hmm. They held the San Francisco 49ers, the hottest team in the league, to 19 points. Mm-hmm. And you have the second or third highest paid quarterback. And you can't win that game because of the quarterback. That's If I'm in Cowboy headquarters today, and this is going to – whatever you make, whatever you want of it. Dak Prescott is not the quarterback next year for me. For me, he might be for Jerry. He might be for Steven. He might be for the head coach who they have there. Contractually, there may not be a way for them to straight jacket out of that thing. But with Cooper Rush behind him and me seeing 
Cooper Rush can do what Brock Purdy just did. Right. You just got beat by a Cooper Rush. Cooper Rush, just your backup just beat you in a different uniform. That's all he asked Cooper Rush to do. Hey, man, listen, don't lose the game. And Cooper Rush went, what, 5-1? and 4-1 and one or something like that? So if I'm watching this defense just bring hell down on the San Francisco 49ers and only really lost their grip because they had played on Monday night, and here you are Sunday night, so I think they just kind of ran out of gas just by proxy of the amount of plays that they were on the field because Dak Prescott didn't carry his end of the bargain. We knew, you and I talked about this on Wednesday, this was going to be a dogfight. This was Mm -hmm. going to be a somebody's going to get hurt in this game because both of these teams, both of these defenses, but the 49er offense, they play hard. Both sides of the ball. Those two defenses look like they were in a fast in fast forward on your DVR. They were playing that fast. It was the whole game. It was it it was was really great, great to watch. It was old school. Beautiful. It really was two hard charging defenses going up against what we thought to be two above-average offenses, but the 49ers have so many great parts. They have, this is, And this is what I think is going to allow the 49ers to move on after this week. They have so many great parts. You don't need the quarterback to save you. And what I found interesting about the guys that are left around, the, around playing, Patrick Mahomes has the ability to win the game by himself. One of the highest paid quarterbacks in the league. Joe Burrow has the ability, regardless of what I thought about him in the beginning, has the ability to win the game for you by himself. We don't know of the two quarterbacks in the NFC if the other one can do it. Right. I don't, I don't know if, if if Jalen Hurts, I don't know if he's that guy. I know he has better mobility-wise than, than Dak Prescott. Arm-wise, I'm not sure. But... The Philadelphia Eagles have talent at every single position, much like the San Francisco 49ers. But the only question about the two of these teams is quarterback. And there are far less questions about the Eagles quarterback than there are, as far as I'm concerned, about the 49ers quarterback. Yeah, and well, the one thing, you know, if you're the Eagles, you want in what I think a a lot of the what you've seen in the in the playoffs so far is. Dallas wasn't tested, and then when they had to be, look what look what they had to face. Right, uh, the the Eagles will go into this game have playing one playoff game, and they weren't tested. They they weren't really they didn't really face a formidable opponent. We we look back now, and they probably would have hung sixty or sixty five on the Vikings defense if they had them in their own park. Uh, so, you know. Dallas didn't play a playoff team last week. They came in swagger and acting like they did. And then look what happened. They got hit in the face. Um, The one thing on the AFC side of the ball is when you look at a Kansas city and when you look at a Cincinnati, especially whatever team does move on, they've already been tested. You know, Cincinnati went up against a fierce Baltimore team, playing them the third time, very physical. I think the only team that's really physical on the AFC side that, that, that even, 
looks like Philly or San Francisco is Baltimore. And I mentioned it last week. I, I, I really like Cincinnati because I think, I think they got the most physical team they'll see in the AFC in their rearview mirror. And then that carried over. And look how much more physically imposing they were than the Buffalo Bills, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the Jacksonville, Jacksonville Jaguars are a tough, hard-nosed team, right? They went out, beat the Chargers. They played uh, Kansas City very physical in their own building, almost sent Mahomes to the hospital. I mean, a fraction. That thing comes very close to Mahomes not walking again for the rest of the season. We'll see how he is next week. Yes. We'll see how he is next week. But when those two teams clash, I think phys- I think Cincinnati has the upper hand on a little bit of physicality, it, but the game's still in Kansas City. Kansas City will bring everything they have. So that's the thing. Uh, you know, the you know, can can the Eagles go in and adapt to that kind of physicality because the 49ers played a, a tough, hard-nosed Seattle team. They gave them everything they had in the first half, and then Seattle did, or I'm sorry, San Francisco did what they do in the second half, shut them down, put their net, hand on their throat, and, and ended the game, much like they did to Dallas again. You know, they didn't score and pull away from them on the scoreboard, but they were able to smother Dallas, hold them to six points in the second half, uh, six points in the first half, but six points in the second half as well, settling for two field goals, not a touchdown. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, can the Eagles, can they, can they adapt to the fact that they didn't really play a formidable opponent that is very physical? They out-physical them. I mean, that wasn't even a match. That looked like Division no. One football versus Division Three football at the college right. level. So um, it'll be interesting to see, and you're right, with, with Hurts, you know, this is going to be a big game to put him, where is he? Where is he on the levels of quarterbacks? Because he's going to see a a defense that is not going to let up. And, you know, that's mm-hmm. the kind of defense that still hits you hard. They play everywhere on the ball. They didn't sack that. I mean, they sacked Dak once, but it was for no loss, you know? Right. So they, they don't have to go sack you seven or eight times for them to absolutely smother you on defense. So, um, you know, if you took the four quarterbacks that were were left in the, in the uh, it, it, obviously the AFC has the huge advantage over the NFC oh, by far, by far. And Jalen, this is kind of Jalen Hurts's. Will it be his coming out party? Will Jalen Hurts, you know, take his you know suspected game that we all like to the next level and be able to beat this 49er defense and take this team to the Super Bowl? It's going to be interesting to see. And with that, let's. Let's give Brock Purdy some credit. Not a lot. I'm not on the Brock Purdy train. I thought what the Cowboys defensively did was what you would get around a guy on his ninth or tenth start. There's enough film on Brock Purdy now, and I think the 49ers knew this as well because they didn't ask him to do a lot because you spoke about it earlier when we during this topic where you didn't see Brock Purdy doing all these things that he had done leading up to this game because I think the 49ers knew They've got enough film on him. They kind of know what he doesn't do well. So let's make him do what he doesn't do well. And I thought the 49ers, I, I thought the I thought the Cowboys did their game plan to a T. But credit to Brock Purdy for coming through and winning that game and doing just enough to get by. Again, not not being a savior, just not losing it. Just not losing the game. And what I think about Brock Purdy and what we are seeing is a classic case of small doses, man. The, the minute 
you or whomever start drinking the Kool-Aid in full glasses, you are in trouble on Brock Purdy. Because he's showing you there are some things on the field I cannot do and I'm not good at. But no one knows how to force me to do those things because my coach is a wizard with quarterbacks. He gets quarterbacks. He knows how to make things work for us and in our strengths and not in our weaknesses. So as much credit as I give Brock Purdy for surviving that game, because that's what I would categorize what he did survive that game. You're going into a different animal. This will be back to back weeks after a good team got to look at you under pressure. And now a even better defense, a better team defense, because the Cowboys have good individual players on defense. They played better as a team, but they're not a solid unit. The Philadelphia Eagles are a solid unit on defense. They fly around. They got guys in good positions, and they're well-rounded. And so I'm very interested to see what he can do in back-to-back weeks against high-level defense. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I think you're, you're right. I think the advantage there with Brock Purdy is Shanahan and Shanahan's ability to commit to the gr- good, to commit to the things that Brock Purdy does well and not ask him to do another thing after that, and he commits mm-hmm. to the run. When you look at yesterday, they commit to the run. 32 carries for that San Francisco offense against 22 carries uh, from that Dallas offense. And, and, you know, so when you, when you look at that, you go uh, Prescott threw the ball 37 times. They only ran at 22 uh, pretty threw the ball 29 times. And uh, the 49ers ran at 32 and, you know, um, Elijah Mitchell came up big for the, for the 49ers and he's going to have to come up big and get some yards uh, against that Eagles defense. And I, I bet you you're going to see the ball go into Jasinski's hands more against that Eagles defense because they do like to fly around. Maybe they're not as, you know, smash physical up front as the Cowboys are with Lawrence and those mm-hmm. other guys. And so, uh, you know, uh, you know that that inside run to the between the tackles isn't going to be as successful. You saw it. They plugged holes in the middle, especially early in the game. But Shanahan stayed committed to running the football and scheming and making sure Purdy only did the things that Purdy's capable of. And I think that gives, that probably gives San Francisco a little bit of an advantage with the way they're kind of just humming right now that way. And I think everybody knows, you know, I mean, he hit, he hit Kittle on all five targets. You can say what you want. He hit Kittle on all five targets for, for 95 yards. Uh, you know, they they bottled up Debo and, and he only got four catches, but he was able to spread the ball around McCaffrey, six catches Mitchell, mm-hmm. the 14 carries for 51 yards. And um, I'll tell you that as much as Dak looked bad, that ball, that ball he threw to Gallup over the middle that should that thing that went behind him that went for an incomplete pass. I don't know if you remember that on the third and long Gallup beat the defense over the over the yes. top. And that yes. ball should have been laid in there and Gallup probably catches it. The safety was coming over. He was late, and he wasn't on a good angle. Gallup had to do one of these. The ball was nowhere near it. That one was lucky it wasn't picked. I mean, that thing was only picked because the backside corner was just chugging to try to catch up to Gallup. He didn't know the ball was going to be overthrown over his back shoulder. So, like, that's that's the difference, right? Like, you know, that that ball Purdy put to Kittle, even the one that he he had to bobble, was right there. It was just right where only Kittle could have got it. And then there was another one. He he just threw it into a window. So say what you want about Purdy, but man, when he had to make the window throws, he did. 
and he got the ball to Kittle. And I thought Kittle and Mitchell were the difference in the game um, for for the San Francisco offense. And I think that's the way they wanted to win it. They, they knew mm-hmm. they weren't going to blow this team out. They Correct. wanted to win by a touchdown, whether it was going to be 2013, 23-16, 17. That's, and they, they won the game the exact way they set out to win it. We, <clears throat> you know, the track record of teams, the track record of what the 49ers have done over the last couple of seasons has given me confidence in them going forward. Not so much about the Eagles because their track record is kind of, you know, uh, up and down. The Chiefs' track record, Gives me confidence in them going forward. There's another person's track record that's starting to run parallel mm. with the other two teams that I talked about. And we're going to get into that. We're going to get into a couple of other things on the second half of this show because as much as the world was ready to give Josh Allen the title of best quarterback in the NFL, the other guy in the game was like, hey, you know, I was in the Super Bowl last year, and we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about much more. It's Brown and Lawhead here on a Monday. These championship games are good. This conversation is great, and we're going to pick it up when we come back here on the Mightier 290 ESPN Legacy Conversation. Brown and Lawhead. Brown and Lawhead back here on the Mightier 290 ESPN, everybody. Welcome, welcome back to the show. If you're driving in your car, you have found your new favorite show. If you didn't know we were here Monday through Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m. I'm John Browner, joined by the Pixar richest man in the world himself, mm. Jason Lawhead, in his newly decorated studio. Uh, if you if you missed the first half of the show, we were breaking down the 49er uh, 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 Cowboy game. We stayed away from the Eagles-Giants game because, I mean, if you saw it, you wish you didn't see it. There's some things you just should some, – some, some car crashes you just shouldn't watch finish. Um, you can catch up to anything you've missed on the internet at Browner and Lawhead on YouTube or under Kaplan and crew on YouTube. And also at the iTunes podcast or under Kaplan and crew as well. We are Browner and Lawhead in the great friends podcast network. Now we broke down a lot about consistency. We broke down a lot about Dak Prescott's infutility. Now it's time to talk about good. Now it's time to talk about somebody who, might be forcing his way into a room that no one thought he would be in this soon. A lot of people liked Joe Burrow. I was not one of them. I was. I thought you were 100% hand up in the room. I will. Uh, I will. I am tribute. You were down. You were in. The, you know, our one. first episode that we ever did together was week one of last football season. And we the, literally our opening conversation was you that? you not buying into Burrow and me going, I, I, you're crazy. This is going to be the first of many times we disagree. This guy is going to be and he, he he's faster than I would have thought. But I, finish your point. I just wanted to step in and say, I told you so. He has, Joe Burrow, we're speaking of, Joe Burrow has carved himself out a space that people wanted to give to Josh Allen. Joe Burrow has carved out a space that no one really thought that he would take for multiple reasons. I always thought that what he did at LSU was far more based on those around him than him. I thought that the Cincinnati Bengal organization is not an organization that could stabilize and go forward with surrounding him with the proper amount of talent. I thought Zach Taylor was one of these uh, 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 Sean McVay castoffs 
who got a check quick because he was at one point shook hands with Sean McVay. And now he got a coaching job because uh, Brandon Staley, numero uno on that tree. And so there are guys out there that made me believe as I was taking all this in that this isn't going to work. I have said this before. I will repeat it again. I was wrong about Joe Burrow. I think I'm right about Zach Taylor, but I was wrong about Joe Burrow. I think I'm right about the Cincinnati Bengals, but I was wrong about Joe Burrow because I honestly believe you don't see a performance like that from a team down three offensive linemen at this time in the season ever. And the only time I've ever seen that again previously was when he did it last year when they had no offensive line and he somehow magically got to the Super Bowl. So they're not sneaking up on anybody at all. Zero, none, nada. Because they went in the snow, which we'll talk about, in Buffalo and just left blood all over the field. They manhandled them. They utterly manhandled them. And if I'm the ownership group in Buffalo, I want to talk to Sean McDermott because what the hell happened to our quarterback? Who's this guy? Who's this guy pretending to be our quarterback? 10 points? 10 points? Come on, man. And they're lucky it wasn't worse because the first hot potato, that was a fumble. The second yep. incomplete pass, that was a fumble. He hit his arm yep. before the arm was going forward. The Jamar Chase catch was a touchdown. That that score should have been 42 to 10. I mean, they're lucky it wasn't as bloody as what OJ left Ron and Nicole. I mean, that's how bad it was in Buffalo. I mean, 27 to 10 was the NFL doing Buffalo a service by trying to keep them in that football game. Um, and, and let's be honest, like, and I, I said it and I've been saying it. They're great. They, they've got a lot of great talent. And, and I'm not knocking Josh Allen. He's a, he's got a, he can sling it. He's got a great arm. He's, he's perfect for Buffalo and what they need now, I believe. I still believe that. But they, they, they play fast and loose. And not in the good way. They they're just too loose. And, and I predicted the game last week by saying to me, Buffalo is has has an over, over overrated kind of aura to them. They have an overrated kind of just you know we can get up on a lot of teams that aren't very good. There's not like there's a lot of bad football teams in, in the NFL. And because when you watch this weekend, I'm a Browns fan. You're a Bears fan, right? I mean, mm-hmm. how far away are our franchises today? When Indeed, I watch, yeah. when I look at the Cincinnati Bengals, and I'm going to disagree with you on Zach Taylor because I think Zach Taylor's greatest attribute is trust. He trusts his assistants. He trusts those guys that had to go in that that had little experience to go play that right side of the offensive line. He trusts guys when they're hurt. They had injuries all year long. Here, Chase was out a little bit. Hey, Hurst was out a little bit. Offensive linemen were out a little bit. Guys on the front four were out a little bit. Ah, da, 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 da. And they just kept winning. And they just kept winning because he trusts, trusts, trusts. And I think that's a great attribute Zach Taylor has. And I think that's going to, that's why they got through last year through the playoffs. That's why they're winning, what, uh, nine, nine in a row. I think that's yeah. why they have a really good chance to go in and beat Kansas City again because he trusts his assistants to do what their jobs are to do to get everybody ready. Yeah, they have Burrow. And I said this yesterday, they have Chase to a buddy of mine. But, but what about all the names you don't know? How about the preparation and the execution and the next guy up to fill in for the injuries? How about all the names you don't know that aren't going to the Pro Bowl, doing their jobs and executing? They got a lot of that. I sit there and I go, how far the Cleveland Browns are away from that? 
I mean, we got a $240 million quarterback to probably just try to finish third every year in that division because that's how good. And Zach Taylor's up and down the sidelines, man. He, you know, he, he's he's not Pete Carroll, but he, he's yapping at his coaches. He's yapping at his players mm-hmm. a lot of times in positive moments. He he's, you know, he's uh he's doing all that he's yapping at the refs he's in their ear when he thinks he's not getting the call or if that's a if that's a bad call you know so he is engaged all the time i really like where he's taking this team i believe joe burrow uh is yesterday showed that it's him and mahomes in the afc man and and as good as justin herbert is as a young talent and and as good as josh allen is as a young talent and as good as there's some other guys trevor lawrence is it, really took a big leap forward in the, in this season in these playoffs no doubt i think these two guys are the ones that separate themselves and look i i hope for a good game i'm rooting for the Bengals because i got them on a parlay ticket going to the super bowl to lose to the niners and if the niners beat the Bengals in the super bowl i got a 50 dollars bet that's about to cash in for 1370 if that happens yeah i made a three-team parlay in vegas in november and neither team has lost a game yet and that's when jimmy g was still uh uh quarterback and he snapped his leg the next week and i'm like oh gosh but then purdy has made the offense even better so knock on wood but i want a healthy patrick mahomes for this game because i want a great game but i'll tell you what if patrick mahomes is limping even to a you know half of a frag if he's 60 or 70 percent the chiefs could be in real trouble yeah absolutely i mean mean, everywhere they do it everything they can beat you on the road they can beat you on the ground they can beat you in the air they can beat you in a shootout they can beat you in a low scoring game i mean they can be physical at the at the line of scrimmage they can spread you out i mean they can do so many things i mean they can do so many things well and they're just cool just not joe burrow they're all cool hayden hurst the tight end higgins they bottled him up boyd went out and got catches chase got catches mixon P Ryan. I mean, they've got all kinds of guys that play cool as a cucumber. Mixon talked all kinds of smack and went out there and backed it up twice as much. Yeah. One of the things that you just said that I, that I think that stuck with me, and that's why it took me a second to kind of get my answer out, is because there are no names on this defense. There are none. Like you, not really. A, a, a lot of people know the guy who picked up the the uh, fumble. And ran it back 98 yards from the Ravens game. But outside of that, they don't have any single standout players on defense. They just get the job done. They got a lot of lunch pail and hat hard hat guys, man. And they come with a wrecking ball. And I don't, I guess because they don't have names, I don't find their defense intimidating. I guess because they don't have names, I don't expect to watch them and see a guy jump off the screen because none of them do. No, no, Logan Wilson's played great this year, though. Logan Wilson has played great, and Eli Apple in the secondary kind of anchors that. So, but other than that, you're right. But Eli Apple got there because he was getting burned in New York repeatedly. So, the guys that are the the trust, the coaching, all that, you know, the the guys that are there and they're working there, they're in there working because whatever program or system that they're in, everybody's buying in and everybody's believing. They're covering for other guys, and when mistakes happen, they don't point at each other. You don't see guys frustrated on the sidelines like you saw with Stephon Diggs at Josh Allen. Like, that's not new. That's not the first time Stephon Diggs felt that way about Josh oh. Allen. We we just saw it finally. It it was the end of the it was the end of the season. He knew it was over. He knew it was over. And, and that was kind of like him telling people, yeah, no, 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 this ain't it. 
this ain't it. And so when you look on the other side, and not because they're just not just because they're winning, it's just because the level of composure that they've shown throughout this process, like they've been behind, they've been in front, and they found a way to close the deal one way or the other. So, I, I mean, even I, when they, I, even when even when Buffalo got the TD to make it fourteen to seven, it still just mm-hmm. felt like Cincinnati was over. dominating them. It, it felt, felt over. It felt over when it was fourteen to nothing. To me, it felt over. And here's a here's another reason even when why they got it the felt seven, over. It felt over. I just still felt like, well, that's seven that they probably is. It, it felt over. This is this is me. I'm going old man here, and I don't care. I don't want any more snow games. I don't want them. <laughs> I don't. I don't care. They're not cool to me. That I don't want any any more weather related games. I don't want them. That's not what the NFL ain't that no more. This ain't three yards in a cloud of dust where that was cool to watch guys battle in the trenches to see who could get a seven yard gain. This ain't that NFL, man. This in a, and, and by the way, it, I don't think it impacted who won the game because I think Cincinnati no. was better and they thought and I think they yeah. were going to win regardless of what the temperature was. They would have prepared for that. But this game is purely built on skill now. It's not built on gritty, tough defenses. It's built on offensive guys showing off their skill set. And I don't think we got to see that yet. I don't think we got to see that in the Bills, uh in, in the well, in the Bills Bengals game. I I for me. For me, and I know I'm one of few in this crowd. That's not good football. It's not good football watching guys slip and slide all over the place. It's not good football where you don't get to see Jamar Chase really break a guy down on the route. That's not good football to me when you don't get the best of Stefan Diggs because the guy can't stop, come to a full, complete stop. They don't train in the offseason to be able to slide around in the snow or in the rain or in – I mean, you can get by in 10 degree, 12 degree. The cold, you can keep the cold games. That doesn't necessarily affect the guy. You can't predict the weather, though. It's either dome everything or don't. Dome everything. Then dome everything for me. Dome everything. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that because, uh, again, Cincinnati didn't win the game because of the weather, and Buffalo didn't lose the game because of the weather. Hey, San Francisco went into Green Bay last year. There was flurries. It was freezing. Correct. The Packers 10 to 9 on the Packers home court. That's where the Packers – tend to seem to have a, a home field advantage just like the bills correct so, you know i like it i still like it i mean dome everything to me i mean i don't know it, 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 if you ask me to would you play the nfc and afc title games in a neutral site i'd ponder that oh, i'd ponder God. that yeah. a, a neutral site dome somewhere i'd ponder that I don't like it tr- traditionally because I think, you know, home field, your best team, you, you played all year to get the home field that you should get the home field, but I'd at least work. ponder that mm-hmm. for the, just to make I, sure that like an eight feet of snow game, isn't the AFC or NFC title game. I I'd ponder that. I don't want, I don't want the, what these guys have broken fingers, broken necks, legs, arms, concussions, one almost lost his life. I don't want that to be decided because it decided to snow. But you yeah, know what's funny is because if you pulled the players, the big tough guys, they want that, right? The wide receivers, some of the skilled guys, they don't want to play. They don't want that, they, right? They would vote no. I don't want to play in that weather. And then the guys inside the trenches, the the defensive ends, the the, the middle linebackers, the center, the right tackle. They probably love the 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 the, 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 the tough sledding, you know, running backs. They'll say. 
let's play in it. And maybe the, some of the quarterbacks, some of the wide receivers and some of the DBs would say, yeah, let's not. Um, so right there, you'd have a, probably a split down the middle if you asked everybody. So I, I think when we talk about the, the chiefs Jaguars game, cause let's brush over that one real quick. Yeah. The Patrick, no, that's the Patrick Mahomes. The Patrick Mahomes injury is a big deal. And in really this, I thought he, he did the opposite of what Dak Prescott did. Nothing was going to stop him from being successful in that game because his <laughs> numbers were pretty much the same after he got hurt. Now, Chad Henney came in and, uh, you know, where the hell he been? He, the last drive. time we saw Chad Henney, he came in because the Browns knocked Mahomes out of the game and he beat the Browns two years, three years ago in the playoffs when, after the Browns beat the Steelers. That was a huge moment. Chad Henney led that team to a victory. That was the last time we saw the guy. And he actually steered the ship for the, the rest of that half. Chad has the best job in America, period. I'm behind. I'm the backup to Patrick Mahomes. I'm such a curveball when I come in. They don't know what to do. So I'm going to get my series in. We're going to score, and I'm going to go sit my ass back down, and I'm going to let him come on out here and finish y'all off because I can't do it, and I ain't going to play for no other team either. I'm going to take this little money from Kansas City. I'm going to learn how to coach behind Andy Reid. I'm going to pat Patrick Mahomes on the back every time he come off the field, good or bad. Because this is my ticket now, okay? I'm Blake Bortles behind Tom Brady. All I got to do is make sure he don't get too drunk at the parade and fall in the lake. That's what I do now. That's a, the, the sheer essence of the backup. That's what I am if I'm Chad Henney. And I, I'm i watching that game, and I see Patrick Mahomes start limping, and I go, ooh. And then they show the injury on replay, and I go, ooh -wee. Man, that was close to a Theisman. That was really and, close to a Joe and Theisman. He, and he shucked that thing off. A lot of people saying because it's a high angle sprain by Thursday. Yo, he'll, it'll be worse. He might not be able to walk. I got some news for y'all. The Hunt family will spend no matter the cost to make sure come Sunday, Patrick Mahomes takes that field. If you got to fly a doctor from a, a witch doctor from somewhere in the jungle, okay? Haiti. He gonna, <laughs> right. He going to be in Kansas City, Missouri, looking at Patrick Mahomes' foot, Okay. They're going to be rubbing whatever you need to rub on it. Sacrificing chickens and pouring blood on that thing. If yeah, that man. They're going to be cutting chicken throats all over that man's ankle if that's what it takes. Okay. I'm sorry, Peter, but the man got to get on the field. Okay. Goats, milk, blood, whatever. So I, I, I thought what Patrick Mahomes did, literally what made what happened to Dak Prescott so crystal clear. Oh, he's not the guy. Because these guys are in the same tax bracket. I think actually Dak makes more than Patrick Mahomes. But I I think that going forward, this is the difference in last year's Chiefs as in this year's Chiefs. Last year's Chiefs were two home run hitters. Travis Kelsey and and obviously Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill parts, they basically replaced Tyreek Hill with four dudes. They're far more lethal now than they were with Tyreek Hill, because if you remember last year's second half of the game, they were crushing Cincinnati in the first half. Something happened going into the halftime between, yep. I think with Nicole Hartman and uh, and, and Tyreek Hill. Something mm -hmm. happened between them, and they, the team just wasn't the same in the second half. They're, that's not going to happen again, because Patrick Mahomes will throw that thing to everybody and Travis Kelsey. Isaiah Pacheco and Travis Kelsey. There's too many ways that they can punch and counterpunch now that I believe that won't happen again. But I've, I've doubted the Bengals before, man. I've doubted the Bengals before. Yeah. But 
And I just don't think the Bengals are going to give up that chunk yardage to Pacheco. I mean, he had play, he played a really good game, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's you know, t- uh, Tony Kadarius Tony played a really good game for them, um, being that other receiver that could kind of just take the load off when you catch that. Always thought everything's going to Kelsey, everything's going to Kelsey. Tony showed up with a big catch, but that chunk yardage, you know, Pacheco had the big. I just, you know, I just don't see the Bengals giving up those chunk yards and. I think it's interesting that now the Bengals really with, with Tyreek Hill and, you know, say what you want about Tyreek Hill, but he's, he's an asset to have in a game like this out there. If he's not fighting mm-hmm. with the teammates, right? Well, now the Bengals have that. The, the Bengals have the up, they have Jamar chase and, and Kansas mm-hmm. city doesn't. Um, and I'll tell you the way Hayden Hurst is playing at the tight end position. He's obviously not Travis Kelsey, but you know, maybe a poor man's version and the way he's just some of the catches he made and uh, some of the extra yardage he got hit that, 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 that hurdle uh, first down he got was huge. Oh, big. It was big, huge hurdle first down for them to just kind of, that was one of those things where Buffalo still feels like they might be in the game. They get a stop here, you know, maybe Allen comes. And then that was just a kick in the face. Um, and then this and grown so, man clowns another grown man publicly uh, like that. Oh man! And then it was just move the chains and buff. That was just like the, the gut. That was the last gut punch of several gut punches that Buffalo took. And uh, so, look, skill position wise, Cincinnati's got to feel good about themselves. They've got the, the healthy. They've got the healthy quarterback that isn't limping around. They've got the bust out speed demon playmaker that the Chiefs used to have that they don't. Um, and you know, uh, Pacheco's gonna have to have, he's gonna have to have the same game. I mean, look, if Christian Kirk makes that catch before the half, instead of them settling for three, he drops that ball. I mean, Lawrence put that thing out for him. Nice. He, he loses it off his fingertips. They ended up go down and settle for a field goal late before the half. And then the fumble on that drive later. I mean, you know, the Jags are right there to steal one. So, um, you know, uh, Kansas City's got some things to address beyond, you know, the witch doctor coming in and, and getting Mahomes' mm-hmm. leg right because they they almost gave that thing away to but a But they team. have the one thing that Kansas City – Kansas City has the one thing Cincinnati doesn't, the revenge factor. We'll see so, y'all tomorrow. Brown and Lawhead. Peace.